Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and living their very best lives through their passion. And that's what I'm doing for you right now. I want you to understand your passion, your gift can be achieved when you listen to Money Making Conversation because I'll be dropping nuggets. My guests would be dropping information. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life is going to present you. That is what Money Making Conversation is all about. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to listen to that about career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest, wow, very happy to have him on the show. My next guest, I, I would like to say my first, I want to say my officially my first celebrity friend. He was my first celebrity friend in Los Angeles when I moved to Los Angeles in 1990. My next guest performed every weekend, five shows, stand-up comedy shows, that is, a day on Venice Beach from 1986 to 1995. See, I moved out to L.A. in 1990 and was rightfully dubbed the king of Venice Beach. He has built an exciting acting resume that includes Blackish, House Party 3, Norbit. He was funny as heck at Norbit. The Prince and the Frog and his role as Mr. Whitaker on the classic hit television series, Martin. He's coming on the show to talk about his career and his very funny third book, Michael Gold's Motivational. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Michael Collier. (laughs) Good morning, brother. Michael Collier, you know... um, you know, it's, 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 it's nothing but happiness and memories about our relationship. Uh, you helped me launch my comedy club in Houston in 1992. When you come down there and perform, uh, one of the big names I was able to convince to come to Houston, Texas and, and headline my show. And and just but you've always been a giving guy. And when I read your read your book, I understand I can understand where it came from, the, the nature of uh, growing up in Chicago and. And, and having less but giving more. That was that seemed to be the 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 signal of your whole life, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I really believe that it's all about giving. You know, if you want to have something, you gotta learn to give all to all. If you give everything to everybody, you'll have so much stuff, you won't have no place to put it, man. And you didn't. And so let's just break down your family dynamic, you know, your father. Uh, you know, let's talk about this book, first of all. The book I'm talking about is uh, <clears throat> Michael Gold's Motivational. It's his third book. And it's a very honest book. You talk about your mom relationship with your father, which oftentimes was physical, but your mom was really the physical person in that domestic relationship. Uh, you talk about being whooped. They you were talk, getting to battles. Yes, to get into they battles. Were- you talk but about- they was getting to battles because of his alcoholism, right. you know, and and, that, and that's something that carried over to our lives. To right. me and my my brothers, you know, we all end up having some type of addiction, mm-hmm. and our addiction began came honestly, you mm-hmm. know, because my dad was an addict, mm-hmm. and his addiction was alcoholism, and he was just a beautiful man that we just absolutely loved. But he loved that bottle, man, you right. know, and I mean, if he could, he'd stick his thing in that bottle. That bottle was his thing, you right. know, mm-hmm. and 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 my mother loved him, but he'd drink up all the profit. Right. So, you know, he'd come home and we wouldn't have nothing. He'd be bubbling. And he, we was one of them happy drunks, too, though, the kind that didn't just drink <laughs> for himself, but he wanted to treat everybody else. Right. So right. we'd be at sitting at the whole house break, broke. My mom and him would get into a fight. Like I said, she wouldn't he wouldn't really fight her. She'd fight him. And she was five foot even. He was six foot three. 
Right. And she would attack him, you know, and he would never fight her. He'd hold her mm-hmm. to keep from getting hurt, you right, know. Right, um, right, right, right. But right. she just she just really loved him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, Mike. This is your moment with Myra on my show, Money Making Conversation, because it's your book. And I want to help promote the book. I read the book. Everything's very fresh in my mind because it's a very vivid book. You know, let me just some things that just stood out for me, you know, seven years old, you know, at Star Foods, you know, those 40 ounces that you was, uh, you know, yes. taken to the house. That, I'm tell you, that here, was my first hustle. That was your first hustle. Your second hustle was Columbia Records Club. I'm going to tell you something, man. <laughs> you brought back so many memories, man. I forgot about Columbia Records, man. I, I, oh, you remember it? I'm going to tell you something, man. When, you, when I was reading your book and you came up to Columbia Records Club, I went, oh, my God, I remember that. <laughs> you joined and they sent you all these albums and then it was for like 11 cents or something like that. Tell 11 cents for 11 albums, man. It was unbelievable, I, you know? And then I, each time I would send for them, I just changed my name because you know I would send for the eleven albums, and then I take them across the street and sell them at the at the grade school to the teachers for like three dollars each. Right. So I was I was cleaning up, and then after I sold them the first time, I'd come back and change my name. So first I do it as Michael Kaya, then Michael Keith, then Keith Michaels, then Keith <laughs> Kaya, then Kaya Michael. Then I changed the letters around to Raylock, let them Raylock. I did it about eleven times before they finally caught on. They kept sending packages to the same address, and it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we gonna cut that off. But what a great hustle that was, brother! Well, I mean, you know? this is why I so enjoyed your book because of the fact that it was just bringing back, you know, your 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 car, Buick LeSabre. Man, yeah, nineteen sixty-seven Buick LeSabre, brother. It was like, I, you, you know, know I, I I couldn't help but just keep smiling when I kept getting the different sections of the book, and I was going like. Man, this is like memory lane, just talking this. And you was in Chicago, and I grew up in Houston, but we, we were basically the same age. But we were still living yeah. the life and enjoying moments, you know, hot water cornbread, buttermilk. Hot water See, corn. I'm Only thing I took offense on in your book, man, your daddy uh-huh. loved buttermilk. I love buttermilk. My cry. My cry. I couldn't do buttermilk. Ain't buttermilk spoiled milk? It doesn't matter. You put some sugar in that bad boy? You put some sugar in that bad boy? It doesn't matter. My daddy would dip this cornbread in that buttermilk. And you would have thought he was a kid in the ice cream store. He was just happy as he could be. I was like, I'm not having no buttermilk now. But what about low on the hog? Did you eat low on the hog? Did you eat pig feet? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to hog head uh-uh. cheese. See, I'm just chitlins. See, Mike, I'm just letting Wait, you know. Wait, I ain't do chitlins, but I love hog head cheese now. Hey, the hog, hog head cheese was good. The hog head cheese may be a little bit worse than chitlins. I'm just <laughs> and I ate both of them. I, now, I can still eat chitlins today, but I can't mess with no hog head cheese and crackers. I can't even mess with that no more. Uh, my pig my feet, father I can't would come that. in with pig feet, and apparently you had to purchase them by the pair. Yes, you so did. So he would come in with pairs of, and the hair would still be on. Yes, 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 and yes. then he would have them wrapped in newspaper. It wasn't even like it wasn't even like brown butcher's paper. It was just newspaper. They wrap them in, and he'd come and lay them on the front room floor and unopen the paper like he was opening a wonderful floral gift. Oh and it would be like four, five sets of PXP. I just run away from home. I just go. I just oh. run out the door and start running. You know, oh. uh, I wouldn't come back till they finished eating them though. And you know, my daddy always sent my brothers to come and catch me because I was always running west. Right. Thinking right. I was coming to Hollywood, Absolutely. but I was really just going west on 43rd Street, you know, and they always yeah. just go west on 43rd. You'll get it. My brother come and pick me up, bring me home. I take my whooping and we call it a day. That was so funny. You say because it's just an inch on the map. 
So I thought I could oh, make man. it. Oh, man. You had a distance you, from you, Chicago to California, Hollywood. It's was just one, one inch. inch on the map. I didn't know that meant 30, 30 I mean, 3,000 miles, man. Wow. Hey, hey Mike, I'm going to tell you uh, something, man. This book, I'm just letting everybody know. I'm talking to Michael Collier, uh, the famous Michael Collier, the, the Venice Beach King you. Michael Collier. This, gave his uh, donate, 50% of his donations when he won Star Trek, uh, Star, 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 Star Search, Michael Collier. Uh-huh. Um yeah, Michael, you know, when I when I look at our relationship, I'm going to just get personal right now. When I met All Michael right. Collier, Michael Collier basically took me on his wings because Michael Collier was famous when I met him. Okay, he was famous, okay? He would walk up to all the agencies and he, he'd walk me in there with him. And, I could, I would, and that's why I kind of like learned a lot of things, how, to, how to, the skills that I learned later on as a manager and doing contracts was when I was the, with him. And he would just talk. And here, and I just see the agents and how they would react to him. How was how they would put projects together, and it was really inspirational just to see what you were accomplishing, and you was doing it. You were just doing it from a guy who had a vision, who came from Chicago, and started performing on the beach. And that idea came from some guys that you was watching in Chicago who was doing street performing, and you saw them getting money. You say, hey. Because at the time, you said mm-hmm. you never tell jokes on the street, but you saw those two guys no. performing and the checks they were getting or the cash they were getting, that changed your mind, correct? In Chicago. Exactly. Exactly. And they, I mean, because I was on stages. I was getting on little bitty stages, making $30 here, $40 there. And they was like, oh, you should come out in the street and do street performance. I was like, dude, I ain't no damn street puppet. I'm not going <laughs> to sit on the street begging people to give me money. And then I stood and watched them one day. And they filled this little brown bag up with money. I was like, oh, Lord, I got to at least try this, you know. And mm-hmm. it changed my entire life. That was nineteen. Uh, that was 1985. Right. And it changed my life because immediately I became one of the best street performers in Chicago. And I made so much money. Then, you know, winter came. And wasn't nobody trying to hit no jokes on State Street no. in December, no. you know. So that's what encouraged me to go to California where I thought it was warm all year round. And I found Venice Beach, man. And I mean, those nine years from 1986 to 95 defined me as a human being. It actually defined me. Well, you know, I'm telling you, let's, let's describe exactly for people to know what was going on here. Okay. It wasn't like a small crowd. Like, you know, at Venice Beach, in Venice Beach, if you go there, if you go to California, you got to go to Venice Beach. This is like a walking yeah. entertainment. And it, anything that you have heard about Venice Beach, the Muscle Beach is still there. Okay. It's still uh, there. Women walking around scantily clad in bikinis, they do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. They roller skating down on uh, in bikinis, they do that. Okay. Uh, in, in thongs. In thongs, they do that. And and, and that's the men. No, you The men and, and the women. And so 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 imagine me, you know, this big huge crowd. I'm talking about. I would have to say anywhere from three to four hundred people just in a big crowd. And he had this mm-hmm. young man, young man in the middle of them, just entertaining them. And and I mean, for that set was that set was about about anywhere from about forty minutes, wasn't it, Michael? That you were out there? Yeah, before? yeah. Each each show was an hour. I would do forty minutes of comedy and then twenty minutes to get my money. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah. And, and then he had the little the little you know like he, he boy he was the funny money too. grabber the money grabber which you like the little you know when you walk around you you pick up trash off the off the ground. He right, had that. Right. He had that. I remember Mike. I were, and I would I would look at this wow. guy and go, wow, how can he do that? Because I'm talking about this is Venice Beach, so beautiful sunshine, you know. And, it, and so people have stopped what they were doing 
and he held them. I mean, he said, come around, come around, come around. And all of a sudden, the crowd would grow. And then, then more people would come. And then in the end, he got his money and he went on about his business. Michael, how did you do it, man? What The amount of concentration you had to have to be able to perform like that in an event where sunny skies, pretty women, muscle beach, food, loud music, other competitors out there <laughs> performing on the streets. How did you pull it off? And then here's the funny part. I, I was asked Mike, I said, Mike, because you had to get your spot. And he had the, he had the same spot all the time. Because you, yeah. you, and so he said, no, no, Rashawn, I, I, I pay somebody. They come there and get my spot early. So it's secure. No, I never okay. come. I mostly came early on my own. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could have done that one. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have paid somebody. I was too stupid for that. Mm-hmm. I would come early enough. And because it's a funny story about that. And like uh-huh. just to give a quick quick recap of it, I would go every Saturday and Sunday and I'd work from noon until 5 p.m. Right. Roughly five one-hour shows. Mm-hmm. I'd be surrounded by anywhere from three to 700 people. Mm-hmm. And I did it through necessity. Because yeah. when I got to California, I thought I was going to hit clubs mm-hmm. and make money. And that wasn't happening. <laughs> and then I went to Venice Beach and white folks would come up and put money right in the basket. I right. mean, I, I didn't have to steal nothing. I didn't have to cheat. All I had to do was tell a couple of jokes. And so I started out trying to go every single day. I tried to do every day out there, but it, I, I discovered from working it that the money was only there on the weekends. Right. And the money was really only there from noon until five mm-hmm. because after five o'clock, uh, all the white folks left and took their money with them. Right. And the brothers and the Hispanics <laughs> would come out with bad attitudes and pistols. So it wasn't really no need to stay there after that. And then <laughs> folks didn't show up until noon. Absolutely. You know, they start coming Absolutely. through that. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just, I was just enjoying because you're taking me back down oh, yeah. memory lane because of the fact that everything he said, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, that 700 uh, number was not a lie, y'all. It was like people were peeping over, over, but people were sitting oh, on top yeah. of each other's shoulders so they could see the show because he was, he was just surrounded and he had enough space to be able to entertain himself. And then sometimes, now, then sometimes you offer, like, wouldn't you let other people perform sometimes doing your set sometimes because you, you yeah, every now and then another artist would come along, even the great Charlie Barnett, who yes. was a great street performer mm-hmm. in New York. He came out and did it once. There's two kids, two year old comic guys named Seymour. I can't think of the other guy's name. And they went on and they're really famous. They're in Vegas now doing comedy and people will come through. But, you know, a lot of people was working Venice Beach then. R. Kelly right. came out there for about six months before he made his big hit. Right. The boys. Mm-hmm. became famous while they were out there. And, you know, so a lot of artists came out and did their thing. And, you know, but the thing was to be able to stay, to be able to stick with it and go year after year after year. So the first year I was sort of figuring it out. By the right. end of the first year, I was teaching other people how to do it, right. how to get their money, you know, how to, to collect the money <laughs> as well as do the work. Because it is show business. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you ain't getting paid and you just out there, it's a craft. Right. It's not a job. But for me, it was a job, so I had to also make the money, right. you know, and I would get people to compete with each other to pay me. Mm-hmm. So I would go group by group, and I'd say, when I say up, up, you put your money in the air and scream, yo, and I'm going to take this money, grab it, I'm going to pull the money out of the air. Now, if you get a five-dollar bill, people going to applaud. If you right. get a 10, we're going to cheer. If you give me a 20, we going to go crazy. So people would pull out bigger and bigger bills to get more recognition. Then when I go to the second group, I say, now, I know you're not going to take this off of them. I know y'all going to do better than them. So they would try to beat each other. It would come times when sometimes Crips and the Bloods would come out 
and they would take different sides and try to outspend each other. Right, they right. try to see who could put the most money in the basket. So it became a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. And every time I was the winner because oh. I went on with the basket, you know. <laughs> and and the, the thing is, is this summer, I'm going back out, uh, hopefully in June, to shoot it as a one-hour special. I'm building a stage for myself that looks like a king's crown. Right. I stand in the middle of that crown, right. and I'm going to do a one-hour comedy show called The King of Venice Beach. Oh, wow. So right now, we're in the process of, of seeking folks to help actually come up with that funding, right. but it's going to happen. Oh, June, man. I'm shooting that. Oh, you know? my man. That, that's going to be special. That's going to be a lot of special. Speaking to Michael Collier, he really is the king of Venice Beach. He's uh, a gentleman that shaped my early years of what Hollywood could be, would be, and should be. We'll be back more talking about his new book, his third book, in fact, Michael Gold's Motivational. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations on the phone with a very talented, uh, legendary uh, king of Venice Beach, uh, Michael Collier. He was on Venice Beach. I I moved to L.A. in 1990. He had already spent four years on the beach at that time, and the crowd was already surrounding him. So from 1986 to 1995, he built an incredible legacy of a a street performer. That's a street performer out there. Something that started in the streets of Chicago. He brought it down in 85, hopped in that uh, 1967 uh, Buick LeSabre. Boy, that's a car with some memories right there. Buick LeSabre. Move. Man, and came on down and uh, finally got, finally realized that inch was 3,000 miles and came to California <laughs> and, and, and made and, and, and the blessings of it. But let's go back a little bit about your family because your family shaped you, Michael. And you talk about it in your book, uh, Michael Goes uh, Motivational. You talk about your oldest brother who, uh, out of frustration, he joined the army, went to Vietnam. He was only 16, told him he was 17. He went over there, became a sniper. Uh, you talk about wow. the, the the impact of uh of you know because you because you was five boys you know your your father who was a That's great right. man you know six three handsome guy he was a tailor you know so now I understand, I understand your look now. I understand you look now I understand you look now because you know, Michael was another person out there he always was sharp I never understood why he was always sharp See? but I understand and that, that now. came from the family my daddy was sharp and so my oldest brother Dave Junior the one who went off to Nam. He, too, was so sharp, and he was really able to be sharp when he came back. Mm-hmm. Because being in the military, you know, he was able to go and get these clothes made from all over the world. He'd go to Korea, and, you know, you can go to Korea and get a nice suit for $9, you right, know? Right, And mm-hmm. he'd go over there, and he'd come back. And, I mean, when when I was in high school, and I, I knew I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out, I came right to California, and I stayed with my big brother for a little while. Mm-hmm. And he had wall-to-wall clothing. I mean, suits from one end of the house to the other. Mm-hmm. He had shoes from one end to the other, hats, tennis rackets. And I was like, oh, I've got to do that when I grow up. And to this day, I just love dressing. I, I can't wait for an excuse or reason to dress up, you know? Right. And so, I, yeah, so I get it from my dad, who well, was a, a tailor and a presser. In fact, we grew up in the projects in Chicago, Robert Taylor Home, 4352 South State, Park, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the Jewish people... But these old Jewish businessmen would seek my father out right. mm-hmm. to, to fix clothes for them, to create suits for them and to, and to fix the clothing that they had, you know, because my dad knew about clothing and he was just a sharp dresser and a, a classy cat, you know. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, this, because, I'm, because the, the reason I enjoy here, because this is what's in the book. This is the, that, that, yeah. that passion that you hear in Michael's voice 
There's storytelling. And so, you know, at the beginning of the book, he talks about, you know, it's going to be some typos. It's going to be some corrections. Of this, but don't worry about that. And then then he repeats a Red Fox joke. That's what that cracked me up. You know, I know yeah. I said it earlier, but I'm a, it was so funny. I'm going to say it again, right? I'm a, I, just, I wanted to say it again. It was like, <laughs> you know, when I'm, when I'm reading the book that you're doing, you know, I'm talking to Michael Collier. The book I'm talking about is Michael Goes, uh, Goes Motivational. It's his third book. Michael, this book in the end, because you get really uh, spiritual, you really go to the motivation. You, and the reason I like it because of the fact that I think, in other words, in order for somebody to tell you why you should listen to my motivation, you need to listen to my journey. And your book is about a journey. Your book starts as a young kid and talk about, you know, your failures, you know, uh, you know, being rich several times over, a millionaire several times over. And, you know, and but it also shows uh, flaws. And I think that I, I you, you want to listen to the flaws or hear the flaws. So because like mm-hmm. I was talking about at the beginning of my show, I was talking about there, there are going to be failures and there are going to be mountains. There are going to be valleys. And your book is about those valleys, correct? And how you uh, yeah. how you still see about, the mountaintop. About both of them, because mm-hmm. the balance of the universe mm-hmm. is that you, there are ups and downs. You know, I mean, a lot of people think that the road to success is linear, and rarely is it linear. Mm-hmm. There's always the ups and the downs. You know, mm-hmm. like I like to say, I've been rich three times, right. but mm-hmm. I've been broke 14. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm way more comfortable with broke than I am rich. Me and broke, like first cousins. We're right. on first name basis. I right. don't make hot water cornbread from scratch. I don't make cornmeal mush. Right, right. You know, and, right. and you probably don't know what, you know what cornmeal mush is? No, no. Hot water cornbread. See? Yes. See. Uh, cornmeal mush? You don't know cornmeal mush? No, sir. No, Boogie. sir. That's from Chicago. He had cereal milk, did you? Absolutely. No, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's national. Okay. It's on the direction for cornmeal mush is on every box of cornmeal. When you can't afford cereal, Mm-hmm. You boil cornmeal in water. <laughs> you put in a pinch of salt okay. and milk and sugar and yum, yum, yum. I mean, my parents were so poor, they couldn't even afford to have kids. The lady next door had us. That's the Red <laughs> Fox joke. That's but, Red Fox. Like, it's in the book twice. I love it. I love it. It's in the book twice. <laughs> and so we, so we, we, I knew poverty. I come from poverty. Right. But when I got to Venice, I learned money because people were just paying me, paying me, paying me, and I didn't have a bunch of responsibilities. Right. All I had was cash. So, you know, after I had so much money and so many people knew me, that's when my addiction kicked in. Right. Because, I, like I say, Robin Williams says the best cocaine is God's way of saying you're making too much of damn money. Right. And so I end up uh, starting slow, like most people, a little weed, then a little blow. Then uh, I found that crack rock and oh, oh, oh. You know, I end up spending 23 years in a, in a crack addiction. So right. as of two Sundays ago, as of March 1st, I now have nine years of pure sobriety. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you I lost more friends, more jobs, more opportunities than I can even name because of my addiction. In fact, I am certain that you recognize my addiction in a meeting I had with you. I had a very important lunch meeting Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. And I had been getting high all the night before. But see, people who are on drugs, they don't think nobody can tell they're getting high but them mm-hmm. when they're getting high. Mm-hmm. And I showed up, I cleaned up, I freshened up, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there talking to you, and I know I was sweating like R. Kelly it's, in a playground. Absolutely. And it wasn't even that hot. Mm-hmm. And and I know you was wondering, why is this sweating like that? Or maybe you wasn't wondering. Mm-hmm. Maybe you knew that right. it is the symptoms of that dance that I was doing mm-hmm. that threw my, my whole game off its track, you right. know? Right. And... Sometimes, though, you have to 
the only way you can get around a thing is to go through it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's and what you've so, done. And you, you're absolutely correct when you say that, Michael, is that, mm-hmm. you know, the journey. And that's why I tell people I, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate to see and be a part of his life. And, and know that when, when, when he talks about 23 years of hell and 23 years of trying to find himself and 23 years of making mistakes and being addiction, that's where the go, that's why the book's important because he talks about his father's addiction to alcohol. It's not something that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that he wanted. Sometimes, you know, and we've learned that through science that that is, that is part of, that can be like a gene trait in you. And it's something mm-hmm. you have to be, if you're aware of it, then you, then you, then you look for it. But when you, when you grow in that lifestyle, it was so normal to see your dad, even though he was a, he was a tailor, very skilled person, but he liked, he liked being liked. So when he hang out with people, he buy them drinks. And exactly. The money didn't come home because guess what? Everybody at the club or the night or the bar <laughs> it had a better experience than he was going to bring home financially. And so wait, yeah. you said it best. Money didn't come home. <laughs> right, right. Come on, you know that. I love that. It didn't I come write this down. Money didn't come, didn't come home. home. That's great. And that's, right. that, that's why your book was just so uh, so appealing to me, and it was such relatable. When I when I talk about you, talk about your mom was working at Spiegel magazine. I'm telling you something. Mm, when I was mm, on Spiegel mm. magazine, I said, "Boy, I said if I could hit him, if I could be next to him, I'm gonna hit him aside." Because because <laughs> here's a here's a thing that I find relatable. When you start talking about tasty freeze. You know, going out getting bananas, please. Wait, before we get to taste free, let's go back to Spiegel. So, do you remember the Spiegel catalog? Come on now, Michael. Michael. What? And the back page yes, would sir. be all pictures of little puppies that you could buy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Spiegel. Oh magazine. my God, I love the Spiegel and and the, the toy section. Yes, was out of this world. You know, I don't think I ever got any of that, but I loved looking at every. I couldn't wait for the Christmas issue uh, <laughs> of the Spiegel magazine, man. And Tasty Freeze. What you know about Tasty Freeze? You that need to chocolate stop. parfait. Come on, you Woo! need to stop. You need to stop. I'm going to tell you, there were two great magazines when we came up. It was Sears Magazine and it was Spiegel Magazine. Now, the Spiegel Magazine, a li- little li- bit more fashionable. You know, li- it was not as thick as the Sears Magazine. Sears Robot. Right, right, right. But that Spiegel Magazine, I think that was bigger oh. in, the, in, the, in the black community. The Spiegel Magazine was our magazine. It was our magazine. Yeah. You know. That was our magazine, man, and we look forward to that, man. That was that was online shopping before there was online. Shopping. Thank you. You'd look at Thank that Spiegel magazine. You. You'd, oh, Thank I you. got to get the, that Spiegel catalog. You had to have it. So you had to have stuff that was in there. You know, that's right. Great. So, so yeah, it meant a lot to me. That was my mama's first job, right? You know, and mm-hmm. and that and and that was the beginning of her liberation, right? As well, you know, because she had to leave my dad. And she didn't have to leave him because she didn't love him. She loved my father, and he loved us. Mm-hmm. But my mother wanted more for her boys. Right. She didn't want us to spend the rest of our lives in the projects. She right. just wanted more for us. And what was really, really deep that I found out in writing this book, Rashawn, I got to tell you, I, it's a, it's a, a journey of self-discovery. Yes, there was so much stuff about my own family that I didn't know until I started writing this book. And that cra- it's crazy. That's crazy. Question. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, my mother ended up marrying Walter Smith, who was my stepfather. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that he was her first high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. That he she he took her to her first prom. He lived a block away from her. He was so deeply in love with her that he asked 
her father for her hand in marriage when she was 16. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, she's too young. <laughs> and so he went away and joined the Navy. Mm-hmm. And while he was gone, my mama ran into my father. Oh, he must have run into her several times because <laughs> she up and got pregnant. And that was it for Walter Smith. Walter Smith was out of her life. My mother went on to have four more kids by my father. Mm-hmm. They had five kids. 25 years later, when my mom was trying to get her life together, she'd have went to Spiegel's. She'd have made enough money to finally go to Sears mm-hmm. uh, driving school mm-hmm. and learn how to drive. Right. She went and bought our first car, a Woody, and she took that car out to get it serviced in Robbins, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And you know when you get your car serviced, uh, you send it in the back afterwards. They send it in the back and they wash it. She went back to get the car washed. And who do you think is washing the car? Her high school sweetheart, Walter Smith. And all I could think of is what went through my mama's head as she watched Walter rubbing and soaping and soaping and rubbing that car. I mean, they kicked it off like that 25 years had never passed. Amazing. And next thing you know, they were a couple again. She went home and told my father. All bets were off. She was getting a divorce and marrying Walter Smith. And so she stayed with my dad for 25 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she married her high school sweetheart, who she stayed with until his death, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was a great stepfather. Right. And we loved my father, you know. But we also understood what was going on. We watched the situation. We watched the constant fighting and my mother crying. We watched my father come staggering in the house and the money didn't come home. We watched all of that and we loved my dad. And I mean, maybe six months after they got divorced, my father up and died. Yeah, 51 years of age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 51. Mm -hmm. And I thought at first that it was from the complications from the diabetes, you know, which I'll call the sugar, Mm -hmm. uh, because he had diabetes and he shouldn't have been drinking at all, but he drank a fifth of booze a day Mm -hmm. and smoked three and a half pack of pale male cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought his heart exploded in his chest, but when I think about it more, I am certain that he died of a broken heart. Mm -hmm. He, He just loved my mother, man. And she loved him too, but she wanted more for her kids, man. You know, and sometimes the thing is over, it's over, and you got to move on, man. You know? Well, that's the beauty of this book, Michael. That's the beauty of this book is that um, it's a journey. It's, it's, I would just let that, because when it was all air, he has to write a book about that whole 10 year run on Venice Beach, because that's another book. That's another book. But this book, the the book that he's he's delivering to us called Michael Gets Motivated, Goes Motivational, excuse me, Goes Motivational. Uh, Mike, tell us how we can buy that book, first of all, for our. Going to my little. Well, you know, and next week it's supposed to go on sale through Amazon. Okay. You know, but until then, you guys can always go to my webpage, okay. which is a very sexy webpage. Mm-hmm. It's called therealmichaelcallier.com. <laughs> and therealmichaelcallier.com, the webpage opens up. You know, I'm doing a play, as you know, uh, that's similar to the book, and it's called Michael Callier's Mama. And mm-hmm. so it's my whole journey, and I'm doing a 100-city uh, tour of that. So if you go on the webpage, you can hit a tab called Mama. Mm-hmm. And it'll open up and it'll show you scenes from the play. It'll show six minutes of the play and the story of the play. But it's also a store. And if you go to the store, it has the books. It all has all three of my books. I see it I right sell, here. I'm selling all kind of stuff. I got T-shirts, I fish damages. I'm selling everything. You laying on this white sofa all kicked back and got the hat on. That's right. Ladies That's all right. sexy. Like you, like so you, you, could, you sexy. Oh, That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking at the cover. I told you. Yeah, was that a great, great coat, great T-shirt underneath with the what's a great a silver uh, coat jacket you got on there? Michael Gold's motivational. I love That's it. Right. Man. 
you can go on and buy books, T-shirts, everything from the page. And, you know, you can hire me from that page. There's right. a worksheet. You can Absolutely. go on and say what you want. But mm-hmm. I love my web page. I love Holler at a pimp, baby. Holler at a pimp. That's what I'm talking about. Holler at a pimp. That's right. Hey, Michael. Oh, hey, Mike. Yes, you know, sir. Thank you yes, for taking sir. the time to come on my show, man. It's um, it's uh, It's a blessing to say that we could still have this conversation today. It's a blessing that allowed me to get that book in time for me to read it, to share my emotions that uh, wow. it takes from your from your book, your journey. I got to thank you. Just let me take a moment to thank you, brother, because you really read this book and you really know this book. And there are those who will make me think that this book ain't, but most people watched it, read it, and they know it's, it's really a good story, that it's a journey. And like you said about life, life is a journey. It's not a, quit, it's not a trip. So quit tripping. It's a journey. Some, right. some people said to me, man, the universe has cursed me. Some people say the universe has blessed me. It doesn't do either one. The universe responds to your vibrations. Right. So whatever you're sending out is what the universe sends back to you. So it's called Michael Gold's Motivational because I'm trying to motivate people through comedy, you know, into a comedic form because I'm also doing motivational speaking around the country. Absolutely. And you reading the book and knowing those details <laughs> and loving it and knowing the wonderful journey it is, that means the world to me. And I watched you, young man, come from putting your club together to making your club one of the coldest clubs out there and then taking it from that to becoming one of the greatest managers and creators of talent that this town, as a matter of fact, this country has ever seen. So I thank you. I salute you and I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. You made not just my day, you made my year, brother. Thank I you, my thank friend. You, man. And to get that better to me, because we're going to promote it on my social media. Got almost a million followers. So we're going to do you well, my friend, as well as promote this on our podcast and also my syndicate. I'm 27 markets nationwide. Again, Michael Carrier, thank you for doing my show. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.